Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 11th, 2024, and today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the doctor's opinion, page XXBIII, the third paragraph, if any feels that as psychiatrists ending with the altruistic movement now growing up among them, reading and commenting on that one paragraph. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Jen P., for the 12 traditions, Susan G., and reading the text are Judy N., Maura Z., and our backup is Reba P. The newcomer greeter is Vanita L., and the host of the second hour is Eileen M. The reference numbers for Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 21,027, that's 21027, and for the 10 a.m. meeting is 21,028, that's 21028. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, bring from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jen P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Jen P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Jen P. Okay, I will now ask Susan G. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Susan G. in Tennessee, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, every minding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I'll pass. Thank you so much, um, Susan G. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focused on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book in the doctor's opinion, page XXVIII, the third paragraph, if any feel that as psychiatrists reading through the one paragraph ending with the altruistic movement now growing up among them. I will ask Judy M. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Judy N. living one day at a time in recovery in Maryland. If any feel that as psychiatrists directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental let them stand with us a while on the firing line. See the tragedies, the despairing lives, 
the little children, let the solving of these problems become a part of their daily work and even of their sleeping moments. And the most cynical will not wonder that we have accepted and encouraged this movement. We feel, after many years of experience, that we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men than the altruistic movement now growing up among them. And once again, I find myself thanking Dr. Silkworth because he is saying in this paragraph to me, he's just shutting down any naysayers, anyone that would say perhaps, well, you're just being a little sentimental. You're letting your emotions get in the way of science here. And he's saying to, he's challenging anyone, let you wear my shoes and see the tragedies. And he's, um, and he says, after that, you will not wonder why he has accepted and even encouraged this movement. His experience says that nothing, I mean, he, he's, he knows pretty much all there is to know as a human about addiction, I would think, at this point, And he's re- so highly regarded. And he's admitting he's found nothing which has contributed more to rehabilitating And he calls it rehabilitation. He doesn't bring anything spiritual in this, the rehabilitation of these men. But what I think he's talking about is recovery and they're able to function and they're living a full life, happy, joyous, and free. Then this altruistic movement, altruism is, um, here I just had it. Altruism is the unselfish devotion to the welfare of others. And it, we, and it is an altruistic movement, but it's spiritually based. Um, if we don't have that spiritual connection, spiritual fitness, if we haven't had a spiritual awakening and, or working each day toward living by God's ideals and a connection with God, we don't stay in recovery. He doesn't mention that here. He's, but that's okay because what he does here is validate by every which way he can, that this program, this movement works. If And he can see it, and he's encouraging people to believe in it. And um, the people suffering out there that have read this would say, well, Dr. Silkworth's opinion matters, and maybe this is something that can help me. And um, I can live like these men are living, or these men and women are now living. And for that, I'm always be grateful to Dr. Silkworth. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Judy Ann, for getting us started. Okay, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this third paragraph on page XXVIII, if any feel um, that one paragraph? This is Larry Kay. Larry Kay. Sue Ann W. Sue Ann W. Chris G. Chris G. Ann from New York. Ann from New York. Anyone else in this first group?
Okay, well, let's go with Larry K, Sue Ann W, Chris G, and Ann from New York. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. Larry K, uh, recovered from Chicago. You know, um, I can't help but chime in on this paragraph. It's very meaningful. For me, what Dr. Silkworth is describing here is, is really a sense of awe and wonder that these professionals like him felt as they were on the, the firing line. You know, they saw the tragedies. They saw the despairing wives. They saw the confused and crying children. And, and it was heartbreaking. And, and he felt it seems very small and ineffective in, you know, in observing the tragic situation over and over again. And, and Dr. Silkworth is saying, hey, I've found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these folks, these drunks, than this altruistic spiritual movement that's, it, that's unfolding before my very eyes at Tom's Hospital. And I can't explain it. I'm in utter amazement. It's, it's a mystery, but it's undeniable. And, you know, awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something that's vast, something that transcends our current understanding of, of, of the world. And, and it reminds me also that, you know, when William James was investigating the varieties of spiritual transformations and religious experiences, you know, he said that the, the actions that give rise to, you know, to mystical awe came down to sacrifice and putting aside self-interest in the favor of, of, of the interests of others. And he had, a, a, you know, that perceptive shift, that awakening cannot happen without a crisis which comes before complete surrender. And so, you know, and Bill spoke to Dr. Silkworth about applying the six tenets of the Oxford Group. It served as kind of an, an accelerant, if you will, to the, 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 the crisis that we needed, you know, we needed to proceed recovery. And, 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 and he talked about the complete deflation and the dependence upon God and a moral inventory. He, he talked about the restitution and amends with Dr. Silkworth. And what Dr. Silkworth was observing was not just that these drunks were becoming awakened to their powerlessness. No, they were being stung by the courage and kindness and empathy that other fellow drunks were bestowing upon them. These folks that were pulled from the, 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 the gates of insanity or death. And, and, you know, they were giving the most precious of resources. They were giving time and wisdom. And Dr. Silkworth is saying, I'm in awe of this situation. And when we work the steps, it, it's like breathing back a life force. It's like a spiritual resuscitation. And, and this was, you know, and so on that basis, you know, which door am I going to choose to walk through today? The door marked disease or the door marked recovery? And for me, my choice today, just for today, is the, is the door marked recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Sue Ann W., you're up, followed by Chris G. Good morning. This is Sue Ann W. from Philadelphia. Thank you, um, Katie, for your service. And thank you, everybody, for your awesome shares. I am awestruck by the shares of everyone this meeting every day. Um, the reason why I like this paragraph so much is it's rich. The imagery, you cannot help seeing exactly what is being talked about here. It's um, not just words, but pictures of the lives of the people that have been destroyed and been fighting and just the emotional havoc that's been wreaked by the um, the sick alcoholics that the psychiatrists have tried to help. 
And, um, yeah, I think that that's what I wanted to share today. Thank you for listening. Okay, thank you very much, Sue Ann G. Okay, Chris G, I mean, Sue Ann W. Uh, Chris G, you're up, followed by Ann from New York. Thank you. Um, Thank you, everybody, for uh, participating in the meeting. Um, I live in Tennessee, and I am a a, uh, compulsive overeater. Uh, So uh, this is a good paragraph. There's so many things to talk about in it. But I like the the very uh, last sentence. We feel that after many years of experience that we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men than the altruistic movement that is now growing among them. An altruistic movement is probably a hard uh, thing to grasp. And it reminds me of the the principles of the program, which is hard to to grasp uh, the principles of the program in our living it in our daily life. And so this this program is, is growing up among them. How do we grow? We grow by by action, by the action of living our lives, uh, and and by the by the success of the rehabilitation. And it's not always successful. Uh, recently, I've been thinking about uh, two. Um, men in in this area who uh, showed uh, a lot of success for some time and and lost a great amount of weight and it was very uh, 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 visual the amount of weight they lost and then they gained it all back and I don't know what happened to them I, I don't know if they're still alive or not and so you see tragedies if you be around here you see people that succeed for a time and then don't and so it is a 24 hour program and we do see tragedies that affect children and families, and um, that's the way it is. And so we have a 24-hour reprieve. I don't have a, 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 a long future promised. I have a 24-hour reprieve. And uh, so daily work, uh, and, and even among their sleeping moments. I know um, my daughter uh, wants to have a job where she works just eight hours a day and can forget about it. She doesn't want to have responsibilities that keep her awake all night. And uh, so that's how she chooses her occupation. But this occupation is is not an occupation, but uh, it's uh, uh, something that can uh, affect our our, 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 uh, serenity. And and so we have to... um, rely on God, because if we didn't rely on God, we would be hopeless, but we rely on God and we have hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chris G. Okay, Anne from New York, you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares. We're on page uh, XXVIII, the third paragraph. Okay, go ahead, Anne. Hi, good morning, everyone. Anne from New York, so grateful to be on the line. Thanks for those doing service. And Judy, that was a great share. Um, Just so grateful that today I don't have to eat compulsively. Just so grateful there's a solution. And uh, like this paragraph um, has talked about, you know, this is something that uh, professionals have not been able to solve. And uh, I just marvel at the miraculous nature of this program. Uh, It's something that I have not been able to really find anywhere else except for here in this program. Uh, So I'm just extremely grateful just for today, one day at a time. I do not need to pick up any food. It's not a treat. It's a trick, and uh, it blocks me off from the sunlight of the spirit. And when I'm not connected to my higher power, who I choose to call God, 
and I'm relying on myself, and that's just a disaster for it's not going to happen today. But uh, I'm so grateful today. I'm willing. I'm surrendered. This is a way more comfortable way to go through life. Um, I I see myself changing, and I know it's not me, and I'm just so grateful uh, for this program and for all of you and your shares that make it all possible. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Anne. Okay, so who else would like to share on this paragraph from page XXVIII, the third paragraph? Gail H. from the state of Washington. Gail H. Charlotte T. I'm sorry, what T? Charlotte T. from Tennessee. Okay, Charlotte T. Pete B. Rosie Miller. I'm sorry? Rosie M. Rosie M. Julie P. Julie P. Jamie M. Jamie M. Yes. Okay. Let's take one or two more. Okay, let's go with Lori H. From Miami. Okay. Okay, we have Gail H., Charlotte T., Pete B., Rosie M., Julie P., Jamie M., and Lori H. Go ahead, please, Gail. Good morning. This is Gail H. from Renton, Washington. Uh, Abstinent today by the grace of God in this program of Overeaters Anonymous. And it struck me as we were reading... Um, just how Dr. Silkworth was living the steps. I mean, he recognized he was powerless over this disease, that his way was not going to work, and that there, even though he didn't use the word spirituality, he recognized that this was beyond human power. And uh, his teachableness, his humanness. I'm, I'm struck by this program of how many non-alcoholic people came to help the alcoholism, and he really, you know, embodies that ability to see the pain that this disease causes, both the individual that suffers and the families around. And, you know, his heart is just. Uh, part of what makes recovery, recovery. And he can see when I first got into the 12 steps, there was someone that was kind of leading the way, a fellow traveler that said, in every seat in a meeting is a miracle. And I think, you know, that's really what Dr. Silkworth was embodying. And, you know, I do appreciate the courage uh, to whatever level I can that it took, we don't, I mean, I look at today, and it's kind of an in thing to be in the 12 steps. It's known, but in those days, it was so unheard of and looked down upon. And um, so I am very grateful, and this is what the program brings, spiritual awakenings that are unexpected. I did not expect this thinking, and as we're reading, this is kind of uh, what was presented, and thank you all for um, the intensity of learning about what this program provides. And with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Gail from Washington. Okay, Charlotte T., you're up, followed by Pete D. Good morning. Um, Charlotte T. from Nashville. I was in a newcomers meeting last night, and a little bit of this reading reminded me of what we were talking about, about the the, uh, storm that lays in the wake of the compulsive overeater, uh, where he... Uh, Dr. Silkworth mentions the despairing wives and the little children. And, um, you know, it was hard for me to see what damage I had done just overeating. I mean, who was I hurting? But we were talking about this in the newcomers meeting that, you know, I was so touchy. I was uh, a minefield of emotions. Um, People had to tiptoe around me. Um, I was uh, emotional. Um, I wasn't responsible at work. Um, I wasn't kind. Uh, I was completely self-absorbed. Uh, so there, there were people who were definitely affected and worried about me, choices I was making, uh, worried about my health, and worried about my happiness. Um, I think sometimes when I see... Uh, people who are struggling with their weight, um, you know, I, I, I think of those times about how, especially like an exercise class when somebody's particularly overweight, and I remember how hard I struggled in exercise and struggled in uh, other life situations just to enjoy myself doing something outdoors or athletic, and um, there is a lot of damage that is done the lives that we lead and to the people around us from people who compulsively overeat and um, are in all this selfishness and self-pity and self-hatred. And that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte T. Pete B., you're up. Thank you, Katie, for taking the meeting. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm recovered. Am I... I thought I was unmuted. Sorry about that. Um, so, uh, in any case, uh, you know, it's been an interesting week in uh, in a vision for you, land. You know, with the readings that we've read and the and the varying opinions on on the doctor's opinion, and uh, and uh, you know, I, I think I think it's it's uh, it, it's it's not unusual that there's a lot of confusion about. The condition of readers anonymous. Even in the in the in the in the recovery community, there's there's or the recovery industry, if you will, there's confusion about the condition of compulsive overeating. Uh, to this day, you know, uh, there are, there are people that that have the feeling, and, and obviously people in this meeting, that there are they have the feeling that the disease is a process addiction. It's addiction. And you know, as as I, I, I I'm fortunate, I get a lot of time to think about these things. And and um, if you think about it, the disease of compulsive reading, it may be it may be a combination of both, or it may be one or the other. You know, a process addiction like gambling or sex or video games. You know, there there it, it, it does. You know, it does, the fact that there's not a substance involved, it doesn't mean it's not an addiction. It's an addiction. Um, and and I think for I know for me for a very long time I thought my condition was that 
I just love to jam food into every hole in my body as fast as I can get it in. And, and what I learned from food, actually, is that that's not my condition. For, for me, my condition might be different for other people. My condition is that they're, you know, alcoholics aren't drink addicts. Alcoholics have alcoholism. Alcohol causes an unnatural uh, response to alcohol. And for, the, for, for compulsive overeaters like me, I have an unnatural response to certain substances in food, not all food, only certain substances in food. Alcoholics don't get the phenomenal craving from drinking water. They don't get it from drinking milk. They get it from drinking alcohol. You know, I have to remember that, they, you, know, the, you know, out there, there may be people that just may get the phenomenal craving from putting anything in their mouth. Doesn't make them less of a, an addict than, than, than I am. Doesn't make them right. Doesn't make them wrong. My favorite line in the big book is, the delusion that we are like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. We all don't have to be the same. We all don't have to do the same things. What we all have to do is find out what causes that reaction for us and abstain, regardless of it's a behavior or if it's a substance. And then we abstain and grow spiritually. It's not a, this is not about straightening out our thinking. It's about straightening out spiritually. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Okay, Rosie M., you're up, followed by Julie P. Hi, family. This is Rosie M. from Kentucky. Thank you so much for being there for all of us. I am so grateful to be a you know, compulsive overeater and know it today. When I first got into this program, I didn't understand how I could be so much like the big book because my husband was an alcoholic and every time he drank, I went to the cookie jar, but I couldn't make that connection. And so um, long story short, I ended up getting in obesity research and they didn't want to hear that there was a recovery program such as OA and that we're eating for specific reasons that we have this God-shaped hole in us. But what I found out through working the steps in the big book is the people who are trying desperately right now to do this dry January where you don't drink anything, but you use all these artificial beers and lines, et cetera. It's the same thing I did with artificial sweeteners. I still wanted that sweetness. So what I had to realize is that we're all on a journey and that more will be revealed if we keep seeking and keep coming back but the big book has such a tried and, and true way to identify my um, solution with the first word being we. And if I work through the 12 steps using the simple message that's in the big book, I can too you do step 12 and have that spiritual awakening and pass it on to others. Bless you all and thank you for being there for us. Bye-bye. Thank you, Rosie M. Okay, Julie P., you're up, followed by Jamie M. Good morning. Thank you, my family. Um, my name is Julie P. I am a compulsive overeater from Minnesota, currently wintering in Texas. And, you know, the thing I'm identifying this morning is uh, the firing line. And I was thinking about this firing line and trying to use my imagination of what it would be like sitting 
from Dr. Silkworth's end. And then I thought about the firing line in my life. I thought about the firing line of my ex-husband, who it's not my job to take anybody's inventory, but he was an alcoholic. It was easy. I could just divorce him. I thought about my two children. They're on the firing line. Well, I can't divorce them, so what do I do about that? My grandparents, they're on the firing line. Oh my gosh, my entire immediate family basically is on the firing line. And I never in my life considered my mom to be on the firing line who was obese. I watched her die on the firing line. And then, oh, lo and behold, well, guess what? I'm in the firing line. I always thought it was everybody else and not me. And you know, I've started this thing called two-way prayer. And I got God smacked this morning. And he told me, I don't care if you're tired. You get up and you do this work because if you don't, you're going to be back in the firing line and it's going to be you. So suit up and show up. You are a compulsive overeater. And if you don't do this, if you don't do the deal and you don't stay connected with me, you're back out there on the firing line. Thank you, everybody, for uh, your shares. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie P. Jamie M., you're up, followed by Lori H. And then we'll have time for three or four more. So get ready. Hi, this is Jamie M., compulsive overeater from Minnesota, and great shares this morning. I am going to echo some of what folks have said a little bit earlier, but the thing that struck me today was, you know, seeing the tragedies, the despairing wives, the little children. I came into this program from AA, and looking at the differences between my behavior in those two programs and how it manifests and keeping it all separate kept me sick for a very long time and kept me from believing that I too have this thing. Because when I'm looking at my alcoholism, well, look at the crashed cars and look at all the stuff I've wrecked physically and very obviously and being belligerent in public and making people cry, literally. And it doesn't look the same if I look over at my food. But then I'm sitting in AA, getting fatter and thinner, fatter and thinner in that chair, because I'm not surrendering to what is maybe the core problem, maybe the bigger problem, which is, which is my food, which is the thing that I pick up for comfort since I was, you know, three, four years old. And so today, uh, when somebody says to me, well, why can't you have just a little bit? You know, all of the things that we hear from people that we see in the next couple of chapters, why can't you just eat like a lady or quit or push away from the table? Those things really screwed me up for a long time because I thought, well, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe this isn't such a big deal. I've been able to control it sometimes. Um, But other people don't see besides my weight gains or losses, they don't see and hear what's going on in my head 
And that's the thing I really need relief from. Um, the 10 steps that I do over the last couple of days continue to convince me that I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right stuff. I need God, and I wasn't getting it where I was before. I need God to take all of my disease, to take my food, to take, really to take my thinking, to come into my brain and hold my hand and shelter me from these horrible thoughts that come up and heal me. And so I'm really grateful today that I'm not comparing, I'm not looking you know, at two ends of a sheet that I'm just here, I'm sitting down, I'm listening, and I'm working with God. And I'm very happy to be here today. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jamie M. Okay, Lori H., you're up, and then we'll open it up for uh, about, I don't know, I'll tell you in a minute how many more people. Go ahead. Okay. Good morning, family. Uh, my name is Lori H., and um, I'm in a lot of gratitude this morning. You know, the, that reading brought me back to progressed in my disease and all I could do uh, since I could barely even get out of bed was order food and or before I could get to that point even, you know, when I was still able to physically work uh, until the food took me out of that, you know, just coming home to get to that ordered meal at the end of the day in front of the television, how small my world became, just work and that, work and that. And my poor husband and my, and my child, should they get in the way of, of that end goal? Or those poor people, should they have gotten my order wrong and what I would have done? And I still have amends to make over all of that. Um, but I remember my husband pleading with me, and, uh, and he was like, you know, we're running out of money. He's like, can't, can't some of your meals just be, you know, something from the, like the grocery store, something simple, something, you know. And I was like, I'm not spending it on clothes. I'm not going out and doing anything. I have no life. And, and I'm just, you know, spending money on basic necessities here, you know, because I really was just existing. And, um, and I told myself that that was the truth when the, the truth was my exorbitant spending on food was sucking us dry. My poor husband was just trying to, you know, plead with me at that point. And my son who just wanted attention and I could not give him any kind of attention. I could barely get him fed with like some side dish or child's menu, whatever, when I ordered. So he wasn't eating healthy either. And, um, you know, when, it, when I got through the steps with one of my sponsors and we got to step 12 and she said, you know, and she, she wanted to clear up something real quick with me because I was talking about doing service and I was talking about sponsoring. She goes, oh, no, sponsoring isn't service, honey. Sponsoring is who you are now. It's what you are and it's what you do. You know, you have not become some angel that is altruistic and, you know, selfless and, you know, well, I do this because I can't keep it unless I give it away. So what I actually have today is enlightened self-interest. That's what I have today. I'm not running around entirely altruistic or making appointments with my sponsees to work with them because I've become you know, God hasn't rendered me white as snow. As a matter of fact, every single day, selfish, self-seeking, dishonesty, fears, need to 10 step, need to 10 step multiple times a day. Even though I am recovered, thank you, God, I am food neutral. I'm in a healthy body and I am functional today in a way I could never imagine. 
This is truly the place and the program where we get to put our fantasies to sleep and live our dreams. And I never knew all the beautiful blessings that I always wanted that have been gifted to me. And thank you that I am part of this we and this program and this movement. And I will continue my enlightened self-interest. Love you all. Okay, thank you so much. And we have time for five or six more. If you haven't shared in the last two days, and we'd like to share um, from the doctor's opinion, page XXVIII, the third paragraph. If any feel that as psychiatrist, ending with now growing up among them, who would like to share? Joanne B. in New York. I'm sorry, what's your first name? Joanne. Okay, Joanne B. Okay. Barbara A., California. Barbara Alec A. B. I'm sorry, Alex or Alex? I couldn't hear you. Alec B. from St. Okay, Louis, Alex. Missouri. Okay, Alec B. I have Joanne B., Barbara A., and Alec B. Who else? Lucy A. Lucy A. My dog's name's Lucy, so she's barking because I'm uh-huh. saying her name. <laughs> okay. One more? One or two more? Okay. Let's go with Joanne B., Barbara A., Alec B., and Lucy A. Go ahead, please, Joanne. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Joanne B., and I'm in New York, and I am a compulsive overeater, recovered today by the grace of God. Um, and um, I can only imagine that as Dr. Silkworth was writing this uh, paragraph that he had tears in his eyes, like he, he devoted his life to this work um, at a certain point and in the frustration that he must have felt every day. And he talks about the sleepless nights of dealing with um, the addict and how, you know, he had so little success. And finally these, these men come in and they have something and um, so he's, you know, he's, he's basically pleading with, um, with the readers to give these people a chance because he's seen it work. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, the fact that this is a disease that, for me, I was born with. My earliest memories are of food, um, sugar and flour in particular. Um, <laughs> I just remember this morning I was telling my husband at the age of four in 1973, this um, neighbor across the street got an easy bake oven and uh, we made these little cakes with her mother and, um, and I had to bake mine second because, you know, you baked it with a light bulb, <clears throat> took a little while and the, the mother kept saying to me, stop eating your batter, stop eating your batter. And by the time it was, Trying to put my cake in the oven, my there was no batter. It was like a dried cookie, you know, like that you had to scrape off the pan. But I couldn't stop myself, and that's how eating was for me from the beginning. I actually um, am also in the beverage program, and um, honestly, that was secondary to this compulsion to eat. The voice, like once I got started, it was like a train blaring in my mind, like I had to have more. I couldn't pay attention to what was going on around me. 
it was so overwhelming. And this doctor recognized that. This doctor recognized that this is a disease of the body and the mind. And um, he saw this program working um, or this new idea that these men presented. And he had to get it out there. And thank God he did. Thank God, because I'm so grateful today to be abstinent and to have this program and a God in my life. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joanne B. Barbara A., you're up, followed by Alex B. Good morning. This is Barbara A. from California, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater by the grace of God one day at a time. Um, it's been a couple days since I've shared, and I listen to Vision nearly every morning. I, I so appreciate all the shares I've heard today about about how this program works. And after many years of experience, I, I look at myself, many years of experience in this program, achieving abstinence for the first time with some um, weight and depth to it. And I really appreciate what we say about it's different for everybody. The way you work this program as long as you follow the basic, simple rules outlined in this book. I'm just grateful today. I'm, I'm up early this morning in California. It's a cold, cold morning. I'm so appreciative. I woke up listening to owls echo each other here in the middle of this residential area. And I just, it kind of brought a peace to me. And And listening to this meeting and Grateful for my um, my abstinence, grateful for my recovery, um, grateful for this meeting and for everyone who does service and makes it available. Um, that's it. I'm out, uh, and I will pass, and thank you. Thank you so much, Barbara A. from California. Alex B., you're up, followed by Lucy A. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Alec B., as in boy, from St. Louis, Missouri, a compulsive overeater and restrictor, recovered um, by God's grace and, and due to this program. You know, I th- this reading, you know, it's long and there's a lot of different parts to it, but I just, I, I like the simplicity of this movement, right, that through experience, right, there, there are voices who are cynical, there are voices who doubt, including myself, right, in it, when I was at the beginning of this process, doubting if this could work for me, being cynical that it could work for me, trying all these other things that could work for me, but then through experience of others, right, these, these doctors saw, and that we see through listening to one another, we come to see that it does indeed work. And then we don't need to just base it off the testimony of others because we see it uh, ourselves. We experience it ourselves. And for me, you know, I came in after this just awful cycle of overeating and then restricting and overeating and restricting. And I tried so many things and it wasn't working. None of them were working. I, I, I do and I had a deep faith, a deep religious experience, a community. And that is so important in my life. But it was this program, right? Surrendering to this program, surrendering to <laughs> to, to, to God as God reveals himself in, in this book and in, in this program that helped me to find recovery, right? Because this is a, a relationship 
with God that works, right? It serves, it serves, it, it serves us. It, it does what it promises to do, which is to free us from these forces more powerful than we are. Um, and it took me so long to sort of realize that, that my own plans, my own projects, my own need to control things, my own uh, desire to figure this out in a way that was different from the rest of you uh, wasn't going to work because I am powerless. Uh, and yet God is powerful, who calls you by name, who sees me, who loves me, who speaks to me through, to, through two-way prayer and through other ways of prayer, and who calls me to freedom. And so, yeah, this idea of cynicism, of saying, you know, of doubt, of, of, well, you know what, that cynical voice, that doubt, the questions I have, the arguments, whatever, that doesn't serve me. It doesn't actually help me to recover. It doesn't help me to be the most authentic version of myself that knows I'm loved by God. And so by just surrendering those things, surrendering those intellectual patterns of thought, those, you know, overly intellectual or analytical or cynical things, and just surrendering in trust, surrendering in faith, and, and clinging to this God of love who says, Alec, I, 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 I if, if you just follow this program and by trusting in that, yeah, that's what I found. And so it's through the, the experience of the doctor's and then through listening to each one of you every morning for so long now, listening to each one of you, um, and then experiencing it myself, that I know that it's true, I know that it works, that God is real and active and working, laboring every day for my good, for my freedom, so I can then love and accompany and work with others. And I need to do it every day, because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget where I came from, to forget the firing line, to forget Fine, the tragedy, please. to forget the pain. And yet now, by remembering, I can stay in this program and stay free and help others. And so thank you. And with that, I pass Alec B. from Missouri. Thank you, Alec. Okay, Lucy A., you're up, followed by, um, we'll see if we have time for one more share after Lucy. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, hi, this is Lucy in New York, um, recovered, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. This is my first time sharing here. I've just been one who has listened and just taken in and just so thankful for this line, for these trainings, even for the many recordings that I've listened to. Um, and this, this paragraph is really one of the paragraphs that struck me the most when I was reading this. Just to think that doctors, you know, if any feel that as psychiatrists directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental, let them stand with us a while on the firing line. See the tragedies, the despairing wives, the little children, let the solving of these problems become a part of their daily work and even of their sleeping moments. And the most cynical will not wonder what, have, what we have accepted and encouraged this movement that we have accepted. Um, and it reminded me that this program is, is really miraculous for me as, as a person, as an individual, as someone who did believe and trust in God and, and just never included him in my binging and restricting and binging and restricting and just the cycle, the maddening cycle for me of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that last night. Now I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. And I would become the expert of starving myself. And then I would do it again and again and again. But this paragraph where the psychiatrist says this to me of a time when I ran a mom's club for stay-at-home moms when I had three kids in diapers. They were three and under. And we would have guest speakers and we had a psychiatrist come and speak. And here we are, a room of about I want to say 40 to 50 moms, many of the kids were babies, like under the age of three, and the moms were just helping each other, like who was changing another mom's baby's diaper, and, 
And the psychiatrist said, you know, he was there to speak about postpartum depression and things that come up with moms who are home with small children. And as he watched the moms just helping each other, he, he just shook his head and he said, you know, something along the lines of what the psychiatrist said here. And he was like, there's nothing more beautiful than, than seeing moms come together. And I think that that's what, what we do here at OA and, and as people who have and share the same disease, that we come together and, and the miraculous part of it is, is having that relationship with God, that it's really not about the food, that since I started and since I committed um, in October, the weight has just come off miraculously without you know, me even understanding how, because I feel like I've been eating more than I was on a regular basis. And, and it's just surrendering everything to God and not needing to be in control. So I'm just so thankful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lucy A. Okay, we have time for one two-minute share. Who would like to take that spot? Joanne P. Okay, Alexis, go ahead. From New Jersey. I'm sorry, we got someone already. Joanne P. Alexis from New Jersey. <clears throat> sorry, I heard someone else first. Go ahead, go ahead, please. Joanne, P. hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Joanne P. from Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for your shares this morning. I'm so grateful to be here and so thankful for um, our program and the 12 steps. And this paragraph just reminds me, as some of you so beautifully have said already, that um, the solving of these problems become part of our daily work. Yeah, we find hope in helping other people every day. So it ends with the altruistic movement now growing among them. Um, <coughs> give it away. Help others. <coughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Sponsor. Sponsoring. Um, sure, we have to trust God. We have to surrender to God. We have to put the food down. And then we have to help others. That's, that's how we... Um, that's how we survive. It's a we program, and I think this paragraph just beautifully expresses that. So, so thankful um, to be a compulsive overeater. I recently broke my abstinence, and now I'm back. And um, this process of recovery is is just so beautiful, and I. Um, I know that surrendering to God is the only way I'm going to keep this food down, but I also know that I have to work with others and help others in order to keep it. So thank you so much for letting me share. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for taking us out. Okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, January 11th, 2024, 7 a.m. meeting is 21,030-21030. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Maura Z please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Katie. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come 
if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give free join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until.